with a good christian podcast same boring name when i picked this name i was like hey this name's super boring no one's gonna have this name and as it turns out like four or, or eight or 13 people have this name but mine is the good christian podcast with Britt hodge that's me and today i've been joined by such a lovely woman i met her on a ministry trip last year my second year of ministry school Super sweet. Her laugh will make you laugh and make everyone laugh and make everyone feel good. So maybe we'll get to hear it today. I don't know if we will, but her name is Gabriella Gilroy. Hi, Gabby. Hi, Gabby. Hello. Hi, Britt. You sound so kind. I love it. Thanks. Today is actually the first time I get to hear Gabby's testimony. This is true. Very true. Yeah, I don't, I'm in for a treat. I hope I asked the right questions. We already prayed and asked Jesus that it would flow naturally. I hope Mm -hmm. it does. So I'd just like to dive in. Gabby, hi, what's your age? Where are you from? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Yes. Well, my full name is Gabrielle Gilroy. I was born in Alaska, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but I was raised in Costa Rica, Central America, as a missionary kid. So, yeah. Nice. When did you leave Alaska and go to Costa Rica? I was nine years old when I left Alaska. I bet you were freaking adorable. I was not, actually. Oh, well. I, I had those circle dorky glasses that little kids had to wear when they were too young to like wear real glasses. and. Nice. Did it have the loop around your ear? No, it didn't. (laughs) Well, hopefully you can show me some pictures one day. Yes, I will. And you'll laugh. (laughs) Well, I'll show you my childhood picture. You'll laugh too. So it'll be a lot of fun. Okay, great. So tell me, tell me about your childhood, your parents. Tell me about missionary life. Well, I have wonderful parents. Steve and Elizabeth Gilroy, they are incredible people. They both have an office in the fivefold ministry. My dad is a teacher. My mom is a prophet. They don't know this, of course, but I do. <laughs> They're wonderful. Um, they, they loved us really, really well. Um, they, neither of them had dads. <laughs> Neither of them were raised by fathers. They were both raised by single moms. And so with that, that brings a little bit of complications when it comes to raising three daughters on your own. So with that in mind and looking back at my life and the way that they raised us, it had to be the Lord because they did a really good job for not having much when they were raised. And I'm really, really grateful for them. Nice. Yeah. They must be good if they raised you. So you're nine, you're in Costa Rica with your parents. What kind of challenges did you face or what kind of, um, what kind of foundation did they build with you as far as Jesus goes? Were you raised as a Christian? 
Yeah, I gave my life to the Lord when I was eight. A week later, I got baptized. I still remember the way that my heart was burning within me the day that I got baptized. I still remember my family cheering me on as I came up out of the water. And I remember being so present in that choice. Like it was, it was my choice. I remember that. Um, and I've always, he's just always been there. He's always been a friend of mine. And I think that was very specific on the Lord's part because having to leave my own country, adopt a new culture, a new language, a new place, a new home, even a new in terms of like family, um, I really needed a friend. And so that's how my relationship with him started. And it's still like that to this day. <laughs> Dang, when you were eight, you were super present in the choice of baptism. That's amazing because when I was eight, all I knew was like X-Men and stealing Cool Whip out of the fridge when my mom went to sleep. <laughs> yes. So good kid already. So tell me, I guess, when did things get tough for you? I would say the move to Costa Rica was definitely catalytic. I'm super grateful for that. I, to this day, when my parents asked me, was that a mistake? I'm like, no, it was not a mistake. I am so grateful for my upbringing in a, in a different country other than America. I am so grateful for it. Um, but it did come with certain implications. Um, and one of those things was my sisters and I were just very lonely. We didn't always have community or friends or people around us but we did have each other. And so like my older sister, she's one of my best friends. And I think that I carry healthy family. It's just what I do. And I think that part of my story is why I do, because I know what it's like to be without. Um, and I know how to create it when there, when there isn't any. And yeah. Yeah. I would say also, um, Hmm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Sorry, he just changed some things up in my head. My family, as beautiful and wonderful as it is, I think because we were all that we had for a while, a lot of start, stuff started coming up and things were pretty rocky in my parents' marriage. And so we actually went back and forth between Alaska and Costa Rica for two years, um, which isn't good for children at all. It isn't good for kids to move around that often. And um, my little sister during that time, she had a wonderful relationship with the Lord before, but when she started seeing my parents' marriage fall apart, that's when she fell away from the Lord. And so I would say things weren't difficult in terms of adapting to a new culture or even ministry. Like a lot of people want to blame ministry. I'm like, I don't think it was ministry. I think it was just the contents of the human heart and they just came up and the Lord needed to smooth them over. And my parents are obviously still married, very much in love. And we're a happy and whole family now. But um, then, yeah, it was very interesting doing the type of ministry that we were doing with a hurting family. And so it was good that we took the time those two years to figure out 
what we were doing and who we were and getting us all healed and happy again. And yeah. How old were you when that two years back and forth occurred? Yeah, I was 15 and 16 at that time. And you're how old now? I am 21 years old. So that wasn't that long ago. Even though it feels like ages ago, it feels like 20 years ago. Yeah, so elaborate a little bit on that. Did you ever uh, question your faith? I guess you're obviously raised as a Christian, as a missionary's kid, and then your your two heroes started to fight, and your sister, I guess you said, kind of fell away. Did you ever question Mm -hmm. your your allegiance to Jesus? I can proudly say that I really have never, ever questioned my allegiance to the Lord. Um, Just going back to that moment when I was eight and like giving my life to him and getting baptized. I remember that, like that burning sensation in my heart. And I would feel that in different moments of my life. And I always knew, I always recognized it as the presence of God. And so I never, I never doubted that he wasn't with me. And even when we were in Alaska, we were in probably the roughest season of our family's history. And we were living in two separate homes, the whole, the whole thing. And I, that was when I had the strongest relationship with the Lord I ever had in my life. And that was the hardest season of my life. He was, I just, I knew how to yield to him and press into him when I had nothing else. And I'm glad, I'm so glad that I did because I found him for myself. Like he became my teacher and he became my friend and my pastor and he became my home. He became my spiritual covering when my spiritual covering was broken um, just because of what we were walking through as a family. Um, yeah. And there's obviously things that even now being an adult, I've had to walk through healing for, but that doesn't take away from the fact that the Lord was with me. Um, and yeah, I would say that those moments even brought me closer to him. I've always had a very healthy idea of the Lord's nature. I don't know if that came from being raised in the church or being raised by good parents. I don't know what it comes from or if it was just because he taught me him, like he showed me himself from a young age, but I've actually never, I've always just known who the Lord is. Like I've always known that he's all these big and beautiful things because he was so real to me. So nice. So explain for me as if, if it was me listening for the first time, I used to think Jesus was nothing more than an invisible friend, you know, someone you talk to the air and maybe, maybe it goes your way. Maybe it doesn't. Can you explain a little bit to anyone who, who maybe sees Jesus in that same way? how you connect with him from through those troubling years with your, you know, a little family turmoil. And even till today, now you're in ministry school, but can you just talk a little bit about how you uh, maintain a relationship and, and how real it is encounters presence, anything like that? Yeah. Hmm. It's going to be super practical. Is that okay? <laughs> I, was raised on the Psalms. My mama raised me 
in the book of the Psalms out of the Bible, even before I um, gave my life to the Lord. And I've lived my life out of that book. I walked through that entire book <laughs> through my whole life. Um, and yeah, it's super practical, but the word of God was evidence for me when I couldn't feel his presence. And his presence was evidence for me of the word that I read in the Bible. And so even at the age of 15, I would read through the Psalms. And I remember thinking, I have to believe every word that's in here. Like I'm going to. And I just like read little parts by little parts by little parts, no matter what it was. And I'm like, okay, this is real. Like, what does that mean for me today? Um, and I remember asking myself questions like that. And it came easier to me than I think it might for most. And it, my relationship with him with one of those things that it wasn't really taught to me. It was just so normal that I thought it was normal for everybody. So even putting articulation to it, I'm like, I don't really know how to explain that. I just lived out of the word of God. And I poured myself into worship and I'd get to church when I could, but church wasn't really the point at that time. It was more so that, like you said, like I did have a friend and he, he wasn't not in the room. He was in the room. And this may sound crazy, but there were times and still to this day, I I'll talk to him out loud. And I talked to him out loud as a 15 year old in my room alone. And I remember hearing his voice back. And I never doubted that I could hear his voice because I always heard it. And when I couldn't hear it, I'd read the word and that was his voice to me. And so I'd go back and forth between like, I hear his voice. Okay, right now I don't really, but I have his word. And that, and like that word is still alive and it's still true. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but it's really simple. It's always been simple for me. Yeah, that's why it's interesting to me because you were, I was also raised as a Christian, but at some point um, something didn't connect. I guess it always felt like an invisible, uh, invisible, non-existent friend, kind of like, you know, Santa Claus is real, Santa Claus is real every year until you yeah. find out he's not. Easter Bunny's real, Tooth Fairy, every year until you find out they're not. I felt like, oh, Jesus is the same way. I've never seen him never felt him, never heard from him as a kid. So that's why I like to talk to people like you who have always known that he's real. And uh, yeah. do you have any um, anything else you want to share about your testimony before I have another question? Um, I would say just elaborating more on the question that you just asked is I would give the Lord opportunities for him to show up. I remember like, praying very specific prayers and asking for him to show up. And he always did. And so that's another reason why he was real to me. And he wasn't just an invisible friend is because I saw, I saw miracles happen, whether that be in my heart and my family or even just little gifts from him. Like he, I saw love, a lot of his love in the details of my life um, because I asked him to show up and he always did. And I always, gave him room to as well. Yeah, I know the Bible says that you can see it's evident that God left traces of himself in his own creation. 
so I can see how that would happen. How are, I guess, practically now you're 21. What does it look like for you um, now when you're practicing to be in the presence of the Lord? Hmm. I'm a worshiper by nature. I pour myself into music and art. Um, and I also pour myself into people. Um, a lot of our worship should look like loving people well. And I, yeah, the Lord gives blessing to those who fear him. And so I'm always challenging myself in areas of my life where I lack reverence for his name. Um, and that may sound a little bit intense, but I, I want to grow and I want to love him well. And I know that worship is so much more than worship. It, it looks like, yeah, the way that I do my job at work, I'm a barista, I make coffee, I pour my heart into those cups, you know, it looks like the way that I do dishes at home and the way that I love on my students. And so I practice his presence by doing the practical things in life with him on a daily basis, moment to moment, inviting him into the details of my life. And then when I do actually like get into quote unquote his presence or revivals breaking out or I'm worshiping at my piano, like it feels sweeter. It feels so much more sweeter because I have this credibility and this history with him from the last six hours of the day that I can pull into that moment when I'm playing my keys and singing my song. Yeah, there's more weight on my song and more weight on my words when I I allow him to lead me through my day and give him space to be the protagonist of my story. Dang, the protagonist of your story. That's super cool. <clears throat> How did you come to hear about Bethel or Northern California from wherever, mm -hmm. wherever you were at in the world? Well, I was in Costa Rica at that time. I graduated high school there early. I was 17. With all that time on my hands, I just thought, wow, I should be a missionary because, you know, I just saw my parents do mission work and I wanted to do the same. And so I was working with multiple organizations at the time and I was a personal assistant to a pastor of this ministry slash church. And that church is the one that receives the Costa Rican missions trips once a year from Bethel. And I got asked to translate for the team. And so I trotted along with this crazy, wacky, amazing, God-fearing group of people for two weeks. And I'd never been exposed to a charismatic environment before. But the more I got to know it, the more it felt like home and the more I recognized the truth and the way that they were living out within, with my, with the Holy Spirit inside of me, like it felt, I don't know, it resonated to a, like a deep part of my core. And I remember thinking, wow, there's so much more. Like, how have I not known about this? I felt robbed almost. I'm like, how did I not know that people can actually be healed? And how did I not know that like there's, 
a call bigger on my life than just what I've known. And yeah, so they kind of made me come alive in a way. And I thought, well, you know, I can apply. Why not? So I applied, I got in. And one of the ways that my family has always recognized the calling of God or like his hand on something is we get crazy financial favor. And so I sent a newsletter out to some of my mom's friends and they sent it out to their friends. And within two months, I had my entire tuition paid off. And at the time, that's just super normal for my family. Like when the, God, when the Lord calls, he provides. It's, we've known it since we were young. I mean, we can't move to another country without knowing that. <laughs> we sold everything. We left everything. And so um, here I was leaving my home once again. And it was such an easy choice because I'm very familiar with change. Um, but yeah, I came here. I realized, wow, not everybody has their tuition paid off, Lord. and mine is. And I realized I might not be here just for school. And I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I kind of realized I'm in over my head and oh, I'm, I never regret, yeah, the decision that I made to come here. It's introduced me to a whole new world, a whole new side of Jesus. I'm very grateful for it. Yeah, I'm grateful you came. Also, did you have were you like a, a Baptist before or, or what? How did you, what were you before charismatic? I'm learning all these terms really and, yeah. and the differences um, of, but I always knew like you, you said you felt like you were at home whenever you witnessed that. I always knew if God's real, then he exists in power today. I don't think it's just an idea. So yeah. that's what, whenever I saw powerful things happening and healing happening around me, I was like, this is really what I always knew existed if God was actually real. So what, yeah. what type of upbringing did you have? And then if you can remember, I'll ask you again, if you can't, but you said your parents sold everything to go on a missions and uh, right. Yeah. And so that's really interesting. I'm sure there was some interesting times from that, but I'll just stick to right now asking what was the difference between how you were raised as a child in Christianity and charismatic Christianity. Yeah. I actually have no idea what denomination we were or are to this day. I'm like, well, I know, I know my part, but my family's, I'm not really quite sure because it's really interesting being raised out in the church, but the church that's outside of the church, they're very different worlds like very different worlds. Um, for example, because we do missions and like that's our that's our vision for life was missions. We actually had a lot of different denominations working with us because we were all about loving the people. So it didn't really matter to us what we believed in not. Um, and so then going from that where it's like, okay, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as we love people well um, and we love Jesus well, like we all have that common goal. And so I never really knew, oh, what do we believe? Like we worked with Mormons, worked with all types of people. Um, but when I met the Bethel team, they were so decisive and so like, yeah, their beliefs were so intentional. Like it felt like a rock. Like they're like, this is what we would die for. And I'm like, wow, I've never experienced that before. I've never experienced that before because I didn't really grow up inside the church church, like the 
American bubble of church. I didn't. I just saw people loving people really well because of the God that they serve. And so it never really caused a lot of question of, does this matter or not? But obviously now when I got here, I was like, oh my gosh, it matters. Like life or death, it matters. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So can you just touch on really quick uh, while we wind down? Your parents sold everything. I guess you're in Alaska. What inspired them to sell everything? Were they just like one day, hey, I feel like being a missionary to Costa Rica. Can you just touch on that a bit? You know, they are not actually quite sure what it was that called them to the mission field. My mom woke up with a desire in her heart one morning to be a missionary. And at that time in our lives, we were being homeschooled and we had a Christian curriculum. And so the stories that I read growing up that were a part of my curriculum, ooh, even just thinking about it makes me want to cry, was like the persecuted church. So I was raised reading these stories of people in jail and like living on the run all for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of his name and his kingdom. And so she raised me on those stories. And I, I'm, I imagine her reading them and being like, wow, I, why have I never considered living my life for the Lord this way? Um, and it also felt like my own decision too, when we did go, because I was like, oh, I'm going to be a missionary. Like it felt like a big thing. It was like so cool and exciting. It was like, I'm going to be a missionary. Um, but the Lord needed to do something in my dad's heart because he wasn't sold out on the idea. He wasn't interested in living a life of faith financially, like having to trust the Lord 100% with finances when he's the provider of the family. He was like one of the top realtors in Alaska at that time. So we were doing good as a family. And, but a month later, I think my dad had a dream and he woke up and he told my mom, Elizabeth, we're going to the mission field. And then we had a family meeting and that was that we sold everything. Yep. And that is so cool. I love to hear about how God works in families, especially in marriages when they come up with the same conclusion, but not really like they talked it out. Kind of like the Lord spoke to each of them separately. Yeah. So Gabby Gilroy, what is your heart for the future? This is your last year of ministry school. What are you going to do? next year what's your passion yes I need to finish getting my trauma counseling certification part of my story that's very important to me is the time when I started working in a safe house for victims of human trafficking that my parents started when I was around 14 it was still to this day the only safe house in the country and I love my girls Justice runs through my veins, and my heart hasn't changed, even coming to BSSM. Like, I still think about my girls back in the safe house, and I'm passionate about freedom. And so I'd love to finish getting that so that I can continue doing that here, back home, wherever it is that the Lord calls me next. Um, but I am committed for a year to two years on my job here. So I'm going to stick around in Reading, enjoy the family that I've created over the past three years and start studying to help my girls and help people around me, lead them to freedom and 
pursue justice. That's, that's really my heart. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. What do you mean by safe house? Are they like out of sex trafficking or are they yeah, orphans so it's or a, what? Yeah, it's a shelter for victims of human trafficking and sexual exploitation, um, which are two very different things. Didn't know that until my mom explained it to me one day. Explain um, it to us like your mom did. What's the difference? Yeah, so human trafficking and sexual exploitation are a bit different because of one factor and that's usually either money or goods. Um, So a case of sexual exploitation will become a sex trade thing as soon as money or resources or goods or favor is in exchange for the girl or the boy or the child. Um, So as soon as one of my girls was traded for a month's rent she became a victim of human trafficking and not just a victim of sexual exploitation if that makes sense yeah so you work with those women in costa rica yes i do what a good cause so that's your heart you're going to save people from those things that is my heart nice do you have a ministry name yet picked up you know, if I were to pick up after my mom, I'd probably just take on her ministry, and it's called Face of Justice. Wow, that's cool. So you're going to carry on the torch, huh? Does your mom know about that, that you want, that that's your future desires? Uh, we've talked about it for years. <laughs> She's just waiting for you to quit making coffee and come home, huh? It's true. She she really is. <laughs> Nice. So if there's anyone out there, um, say listening, I guess we could have touched on this a little more, but they'll see you tagged on here. Um, Anyone that's been, I guess, trafficked or what was the other one? Sexually exploited. And uh, what would you say to them? Like, imagine if it was one of your girls and you're counseling them, what would you say? How to get out of it? Find good people who are going to love you well and fight for your life. Nice. Is there anything else you want to add, Gabby? That's very interesting. I I didn't even know that about you. That's the type (laughs) type of ministry that you dealt with. Yeah, that's a whole nother side of my story that takes probably just as long or longer to walk through. So... (laughs) Do you want to share a little bit of it? Um, my, my story or my parent or the organization? Just part of this testimony that has to do with that. Just if you could break it down into a three-minute spiel. Yeah, I can't do that. So I, I don't want to say exposed, but I became a witness to these girls' lives and their stories by the time I was like 15 and it was, it's the type of situation where they're basically my foster sisters. So legally in the system down in Costa Rica, they're my parents' foster children, but we've just made it under the umbrella of an organization. And so they've been a part of my life ever since we started the safe house. Um, And I don't know if you can imagine this, but with our family still in turmoil, things still hurting in my heart, 
and then being exposed, I will use that word, exposed to these awful, horrendous, traumatizing stories. And then at the age of 17, becoming one of their caretakers, being given permission and authority and responsibility over these 16 girls over the weekends, you can maybe imagine that it was hard for me to recognize that the Lord still had a heart for me when I saw girls who were not given anything, who girls who were so broken, girls who, uh, I, it's hard to even talk about the type of things that they've gone through. And so even just recognizing the Lord still has love for me and still has healing for me. That was a big deal for me because I thought these girls need the Lord more than I do. Like they need Jesus. They need his healing. They need who he is. And the Lord just coming to me and being like, Gabby, like I still paid a price for your life. Like I still care about the things that hurt your heart. Even if they're minuscule in comparison to these horrendous crimes that was that was really it was a hard season to walk through if that makes sense because of yeah (laughs) it was hard to think that the lord still had love left over after seeing girls who they needed his life otherwise literally some of them would die some of them have died because they haven't found healing and justice you know we had a girl commit suicide two months ago you know, it's just, it is life or death sometimes. And yeah, it was, it was hard for me to come to that revelation that, wow, God still has enough for me and I'm still his beloved and I'm worthy of the love that he has just as much as my girls. That's incredible. Yeah. I've noticed the more I get to know Jesus, that his, his desire for us is very unique to each person. So a lot of people stand back and be like, Jesus wouldn't do that or act like that. But he actually is very personal to each human being that he created. Believe it or not, he has something for everyone. It's a good lesson. Well, Gabby Gilroy, this is super interesting. (laughs) I'm going to tag you whenever I post this. And that lovely picture. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And uh, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, they can. Yeah. And I just thank you. Thanks for sharing this. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, it was super cool. So I'll talk to you soon. And thank you so much. And thank you for listening. I love you and I don't even know who you are. That's my slogan. I don't know where I would go without your hand. Chase me from the sky.